afternoon, good evening, everyone. Welcome back to the Full Stack Trade Podcast, where we talk about the ongoing evolution of the IT professional. Thanks so much for listening. I am Scott Lowe, your host, and my goal today with the show, as always, is to help equip and prepare listeners for their journey of learning across the full stack of technologies present in today's data centers and cloud environments. Now, if you've been a longtime listener of the show, you may recall that early versions uh, or early episodes of the show were focused on people's career journey, sort of where they started out, where they uh, went to next, where they ended up, and the lessons that they learned along the way. Today's episode is a throwback to the original episodes of the show, and my guest today is going to be talking and sharing a little bit of his experience from his own career journey, and my guest is Massimo Refere, which I know I totally mangled, but it is Italian, and you know, there you go. So Massimo, how are you today? Thanks, Scott. Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for having me here. And well, yes, I'm thank glad, you. I'm glad you invited me. I'm looking forward to this um, interesting discussion. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Now, you and I know each other, obviously. We worked together uh, in a previous uh, you know, incarnation, I guess you could say. But uh, for the listeners who may not be familiar with you, uh, why don't you take a moment and sort of introduce yourself and, you know, this is who I am on social media. If you care to share that, this is my blog, blah, blah, that kind of thing. Yeah, sure. Um, so um, as you said, my name is uh, Massimo Referre. Um I started um, my career back in uh, 1994. Um, which is ages ago, literally. Uh, <laughs> um, I started at IBM in services and I quickly moved into um, uh, the systems and technology group, uh, working on um, SystemX, Netfinity, uh, x86 servers. Um, I then um, started uh, working on VMware technology and we can talk more about this transition uh, later, maybe uh, during the podcast. Um, I specialize on VMware technology up until I moved to VMware uh, back in 2010, where I've been working um, in different capacities uh, until 2017, where time uh, came to move to AWS, which is where um, I work right now. Um, I do have a blog, uh, to your point. Uh, my blog is, um, the address of my blog is it20.info. And I like what you said at the beginning um, in terms of the evolution of the IT data center and uh, all the way to the cloud, because originally the intent of my blog was to talk about IT 2.0, which basically meant everything that is coming next at any point in time, everything that is coming next. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I uh, obviously have uh, read your site and, and follow what you publish. So um, I love, you know, and one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show is sort of that, that forward looking mentality that you've demonstrated, you know, in, in, in all the years that I've known you. Um, so, all right. Thanks for that, Massimo. I appreciate it. Um, yeah. So I, I do want to spend some time talking about, uh, you know, sort of the, the, you know, the, the journey that you've been on in terms of your career, because I think that a lot of the listeners, you know, because of my background, a lot of the listeners are probably more infrastructure focused. They probably share a journey very similar to my own and very similar to yours, I think. 
Um, and so I think, you know, if we talk about that a little bit, I would love to just sort of, you know, dig into some of the, you know, maybe the challenges that you faced or the lessons that you learned. Let, let's start with sort of like, you know, the, the early parts, you know, when you were at IBM, you, know, you started out first in services and then you said you transitioned to the systems group and then we're specializing on the VMR technologies. Um, you know, what sort of early, early career challenges did you run into and what were some of the lessons that you learned there as you began to, you know, prepare for that first transition into working for VMware directly? Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, I, I do have fond memories. Um, at that time, I, I don't think about that time as challenges. I think more at that time about opportunities to grow. Um, I did have challenges uh, throughout my career, and we can talk more uh, about other transitions that I uh, made. But specifically, at that point in time, I have fond memories of opportunities that I had to grow and explore uh, more. Um, one of the things that um, I think I've been doing all over um, again is to, is to um, how can I say, uh, Look, look out for that aha moment uh, to, um, to progress in my career. And this is actually um, what happened when I was at IBM and I started to transition more, not to VMware as a company, because this came later on, but transition uh, from what I was doing from a hardware perspective into more of a software um, infrastructure perspective when I started working on um, on VMware stuff. And there is an anecdote that I usually um, talk about that I trigger uh, or click my buttons um, that make me think that this was the next thing that um, I, I needed to work on. And that was a time when I was working on hardware um, and I was working on this gigantic a machine called the X-Series 440, uh, 16 CPUs, and it, it was a monster. Um, I was in the US and I was meeting with the engineer uh, that um, basically uh, built that server. And we were talking about, you know, how we could uh, propose uh, using this service to our customers. And this engineer was like, uh, nobody wants this monster. Everybody wants like very small machines that they could run their very small um, Intel-based applications. At that time, it was primarily um, uh, Windows application. That was back in 2001. And so he went on the whiteboard and he was like, we're talking to this little company um, called VMware. There are a few people and they're building these kind of software stack hypervisor kind of thing that allows you to install this thin layer on this gigantic server and you can then slice this uh, gigantic server into many small um, uh, virtual servers so to speak. I was looking at him you know drawing on this whiteboard and I was like you must be kidding this is never going to work you want to put a softer layer in between the hardware and the Windows operating system. I mean, come on, this is not going to work. And he was like, you know, Massimo, I understand your concern, but you know what, this is the CD, go back home and try it um, in the lab uh, in Milan in your office. I took the CD, I read the CD, it was like ESX 1.0 beta. And I went back home and I, I was like, okay, let me, 
start installing uh, this ESX thing on this server. 30 minutes in, I had my aha moment. I was like, this thing is going to change the world forever. And that is how, you know, I started working on VMware technology. From that day, I started working on ESX. I started working on uh, Virtual Center. And I've seen pretty much um, everything that happened in the VMware um, ecosystem uh, up until a few years ago. So my my suggestion and my my um, my lesson learned is always be on the outlook for the next big thing. Always be on the outlook on this piece of thing. It could be a technology, it could be a service that is going to move the industry forward. And definitely VMware was moving the industry forward at the time. That's a that's an awesome story. I. I I can share real quick, like sort of like a similar story where I had, I was running ESX probably, probably two, two zero or two five. And this, so this would have been 2003, 2004, 2005, somewhere in that time frame. I don't remember exactly when, but I remember talking to a, a, a friend I had at the time and we had worked together at, at a, a reseller uh, a few years prior and was telling him about ESX and I'm like, you know, you can take and you can carve up a physical server into multiple virtual servers. And he very, very seriously looked at me and said, why would you do that? And, and that's the thing that like stuck out in my head is like, he, he didn't, he didn't see how that was going to transform, you know, operations and, and how hardware was consumed and all that. It's, it's so similar to sort of, that was sort of my aha, aha moment was, you know, seeing how that thing was going to change and then recognizing others weren't, weren't seeing it. Um, fast forward to, 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 you know, the mid 2010s, uh, closer to 2017, what was your aha moment that led you to switch jobs if there was one to focus more um, in AWS? Um, so um, it's interesting because as my career progressed, uh, I still had my aha moment, but the, particularly the transition to the cloud and eventually um, AWS um, came um, more um, uh, soft, I would say, rather than with a hard aha moment. So uh, the first transition that I made when I was at VMware was to working on uh, container stuff. So up until 2014, um, I was uh, still working on pretty much infrastructure-related things, so vSphere, uh, vCloud Director, um, and stuff like that. Uh, around 2014-15, I don't actually uh, remember the exact year, there was another aha moment for me that uh, made me transition into um, containers. Uh, and that was, I remember the anecdote, I was playing with I think it was called Application Director. And I was playing with this VMware product that would allow me to set up a WordPress um, service, for example, right? So you would install uh, vSphere, you would install uh, Application Director, uh, you would create these templates that allows you to trigger the deployment, not only of a VM that was like the usual business as usual at that point, but also triggering script that would install WordPress on that VM. And I spent uh, time working on this and I was eventually able to, um, uh, to get the WordPress server uh, up and running. And I don't know what happened. Maybe, maybe I was looking at the 
at the presentation by Solomon from Docker about this thing called Docker. And I, I, I installed the technology like the Docker technology at that time it was Docker desktop or I don't even remember what it was. And I ran like Docker run WordPress and like literally in six seconds, I had a WordPress uh, server or, or service up and running. And that was my, my second aha moment that made me transition into container because I thought this thing, this thing is interesting and I can see how customers and particularly developers um, are going to, <clears throat> are going to uh, value these, uh, these new things. So from that point on, I started working at VMware uh, on container technology and that was the second transition that I made. I would say that that transition was a little bit more difficult um, compared to the previous one that I made at IBM uh, to VMware-based technology, because I think that transitioning from hardware infrastructure into software infrastructure is um, relatively easy. Transitioning from the world of operations or infrastructure, if you will, into the world of developers because containers are, are pretty much um, a, a developer construct or at least they have roots in uh, the developer community was a, a, a bit more challenging. Um, I would say that because uh, the, the language that uses is different because the problems that you're facing are different because the, the goals uh, are different. Yeah, and that that actually is a really nice transition to kind of like the second part of this I want to talk about. And that is, as I mentioned earlier, some of the challenges that you found in there. So I could certainly see where um, transitioning from more of an infrastructure focus, uh, you know, even if it's software based infrastructure, like what uh, you know VMware was focusing on at the time to containers, which are more developer centric, could be challenging because you have to become sort of you have to look more at it from an application centric perspective and not from an infrastructure centric perspective, right? So, you know, out of those challenges, you know, and if you wanna focus on that last transition, that's fine. But out of, out of that, you know, what, what did you find was hardest and what was easiest and, you know, how, how did you, you know, what were some of the techniques you used to help overcome those challenges? So um, I would say that with containers is still, I mean, the challenges are not, um, something that it's impossible to overcome because they always have root into like the infrastructure, uh, even though even though they were born as a, as a tool for developer, uh, there are lots of roots into uh, the infrastructure. What was challenging for me um, was all this notion of um, how you would use the, the, the technology um, to, um, to deploy applications, for example, all the things about DevOps and pipelines and how you build um, the application and how you deploy it. Uh, those were uh, the, the challenges that I had. And I would, I would say that I still have because um, I, I, I don't think that I made the full transition into this word. Obviously, I understand more about these concepts than I did five years ago. Uh, but I, I, I would lie if I said that um, I made a full transition. What helped me uh, to uh, overcome some of these challenges are obviously 
um, study uh, all of these things, read a lot, uh, experiment. One of the things that I found uh, very helpful was to develop my uh, very own application, uh, demo application, uh, and start playing with the technologies uh, that I was trying to learn. Um, I, I do have a, a very specific approach to this because I always say that if you need to learn a new technology, it could be Docker, it could be uh, something uh, like a, a new uh, DevOps uh, type of approach or, or product or technology or service. Um, I think that uh, using the in documentation tutorials that the technology or the service is coming with is useful to an extent because the tutorial is usually um, is usually engineered, so to speak, to uh, guide you very quickly through the end result, which is this is how the technology works, right? So it's a it's a next 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 done uh, type of approach. Uh, I, I usually like to take a different approach. So the application that I built many years ago, I still use it to apply to different technologies. Uh, for example, uh, Mesh, um, uh, one of the, the services that I'm uh, responsible for at AWS is App Mesh. So one of the things that I did when I wanted to learn App Mesh is how can I take my existing application that I want to um, that I want to keep and not modify uh, to the benefit of the technology that I need to learn and apply that technology to the application that I have. So instead of using the App Mesh tutorial to learn App Mesh, I want to use my application and try to apply App Mesh to my application. Because if you think about this, at the end of the day, this is what customers do. When customers adopt new technologies uh, that are supposed to make their uh, work better. They do not, you know, their end goal is not to run the tutorial. Their end goal is to take that application, I'm sorry, that technology and apply it to the application. I think that you can learn so much uh, more with this approach than with the regular um, documentation that you can uh, find um, alongside those technologies or services. So that makes total sense in that in the context of you know okay I have this new technology whether it be you know a service mesh or whether it be a, a, a programming language or uh, you know an architectural approach like you know using more of a, a modular microservices based approach whatever the case may be you know taking and applying that against a a use case even if it is a contrived use case like a a simple demo application right but um, yep. The, 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 the drawback there though is like, uh, and, and, I, and I speak from my own personal experience here is like, just for someone who didn't come through a, a comp sci program to get into their career, which I did not, that making that leap into the programming side to even start the writing of the sample application can be challenging, right? And there's a, a pretty steep um, curve to get to the point where you can then begin to, to apply Technologies to that sample use case. Now, do you do you think that's you know fair or accurate? I mean, especially again, considering the listeners are going to be, you know, a lot of listeners are going to be heavily infrastructure focused. This is this is absolutely true. As a matter of fact, the application that I built 
is, is a very simple application. Um, obviously, you don't need to uh, boil the ocean with the complexity of the application itself. Um, it used uh, Ruby as a programming language because it was easy to learn, uh, maybe not so powerful. Um, I don't want to, um, um, to, um, uh, to talk bad about Ruby, but um, maybe um, I pick Ruby because it was simple. Uh, it was easy to learn and making baby steps um, into, into these. Uh, that is when I started reading some of the tutorials um, because that's how you um, basically start uh, learning uh, building application and learning uh, programming languages. Um, I, I won't lie that there has been a lot of copy and paste uh, that you then need to adopt to your uh, own needs. Um, a lot of Googling, uh, definitely, uh, to solve uh, problems and a lot of back and forth on Stack Overflow uh, when the, 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 the challenges that you're facing um, um, they the, the couldn't be solved um, uh, on your own. So uh, absolutely, I, I think that getting into the programming per se, um, it, it, it was based on my experience the most um, uh, the, the the most challenging aspect uh, of the transition. And I don't consider myself a developer. Um, so um, there is uh, that to consider, but everything that I learned in terms of uh, programming, uh, Ruby, Python, has been uh, somewhat challenging, yes. Gotcha, okay, all right. So I'm glad to hear it's not just me in that regard. <laughs> um, no, no, definitely <laughs> so I'm, not. I'm curious though, before I transition to another, another sort of topic, I just had one additional thought. Do you think that for infrastructure folks, knowing that this leap of getting into some of the development thing, some of the development stuff, so that they have that context of what it means to develop an application and then can know sort of, you know, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm not saying that's the path everyone's going to take, but assuming that's the path they want to go down, right? Would it be reasonable based on your experience to say, hey, if you invest some time and effort now in sort of like increasing automation, uh, looking at automation tools that involve some level of programming, even if it's like, like PowerShell or, you know, JavaScript or whatever the case may be, do you think that might set them up for an easier transition later on? Oh, absolutely. As a matter of fact, I think that the line between ops and, and dev is, is blurry a little bit. Um, if you think about, I mean, the notion of infrastructure as code, um, which is, you know, somehow um, what, what you were um, referring to, you can definitely apply some of these um, uh, developer uh, techniques into the infrastructure itself. So I, I don't think that it's useful to learn Ruby or Python or whatever language um, just for being a developer, but it's also helpful um, if you want to progress your career remaining in the ops uh, world. Um, there, there was, a, there was a, um, another anecdote that I usually use when I discuss these things. Um, I remember when, we, um, when I was at VMware um, and I was, um, I was working on uh, VIC, uh, vSphere Integrated Containers. That was back in 2016, I think. 
uh, we were running a beta on site in Palo Alto with a few customers. And I vividly remember this customer that came in with these two people. And these two people had a very, very different approach. Uh, they were coming from similar background, but they had very different approach. The first one was like, I don't want to hear anything about this container thing. Just tell me the resource, the Vsphere resource pool that you need and you want, I will create it, and then you can do everything that you want. The other person was a lot more interested in understanding how he could fill the gap between what they were doing from a vSphere infrastructure perspective all the way to their developers consuming that infrastructure. Now, I don't know how it ended up, but I can tell for sure that the second person, the one that was more interested um, into filling that gap was also eager to learn about new things, uh, not only containers, but automation and how they could run their infrastructure in a better way uh, to better serve the developers and to lower cost and everything. So I think that the mindset is also very important. The moment that you have the right mindset, those challenges uh, of learning new things, whether it's a language, developer uh, language or anything, they can always be overcome if you have that passion. I would even go so far as to say that having the insight, I guess it is, to be able to spot the aha moment requires that sort of mindset. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. One thing, the, you know, I think that um, if I think back about my career and, and I think that this is true for everyone, what happens usually is that you become very comfortable about the technology uh, all the way to a very well-recognized um, industry um, uh, guru about that technology like you are. Uh, for uh, VMware-related technology and lately um, container-related uh, technology. When that happens, it's difficult to recognize that aha moment because basically uh, you're always challenging yourself, right? And this happened to me when I moved to AWS, for example. I was some, somewhat recognizing the VMware um, community, but I also realized that there was something going on in, in another community, which was this AWS community, uh, more cloud um, oriented, that I didn't want to miss, right? So it took me a while to say, okay, I want to leave the VMware infrastructure business behind, even though uh, I, I, I have a name in there. And I want to become one of the many in this new community because I think that this community is going to, you know, become the community um, of the future. I, I, I'm not I'm not implying AWS specifically, but a, commu a new community in general that you think um, is becoming the next thing. So I think that having that open mind to say, okay, I'm done with this, and I need to move on is very important. And I always try to operate with this um, open mind and, and being on the outlook for that aha moment uh, that we were discussing before. 
Yeah. So I, I had another question that I wanted to ask next, but I'm going to go off script a little bit because I think there's there's something here that's worth talking a little bit about, and that is this idea of challenging yourself, right? Of saying, okay, yeah, I have an, an established level of expertise in a particular technology. You know, for you, it was you know the VMware infrastructure. Same for me. And then, okay, now, but I, I see this. I, I, you know, I've I've kept an open mind. I, I'm I'm you know trying to be sort of looking for that moment that says this is how a technology is going to change things and how I can make it better for my customers or for my users or for my company or whatever the case may be, right? Um, and then being willing to say, okay, I'm, I'm going to leave that behind and try and move into this new space. You know, you did that moving into the container space. I did it moving into networking, you know, back in 2011, 2012, 2013, whenever it was, I started messing around with open vSwitch and NVP and the NICERA stuff. And then again, in, into Kubernetes when I left VMware and went, went to Heptio. Um, uh, you know, would you agree that this, like, this is probably one of the things that, I don't want to say it's hard, but like, it's scary, let's say, to, to always be challenging yourself. And yet you have to be able to do that in order to really grow. Oh, absolutely. It, it, it's very, it's very challenging. It's, it's very tough and hard um, to make that decision because, um, and at least this is what happened to me, is you leave behind, like, you know what you leave behind, right? Uh, but you don't know what you're getting into. So it's, uh, it's definitely hard. And there is, there is always need to be a balance um, um, between those two things. Uh, I'm not suggesting that people uh, just always switch and leave behind things and just jump onto the next thing. Um, uh, the, the, the sensitivity that each one uh, has um, in making this transition is different than the others. I know people that make transition like, <laughs> you know, I don't want to say twice a year, but um, almost that. Uh, and other people uh, like me, for example, that make this transition over a very long period of time, right? So if I look back at my career, and this is not something that I've done on purpose, obviously, but if I, if I reflect back on what I've done, and I look at, you know, my IBM, VMware, um, AWS, I can, I can pin it to the evolution of the IT hardware software services, right? So my, my span is, is very long, like many, many years. I've been at IBM for like 14 years. Uh, I've been at um, uh, VMware for um, what? Um, seven years, uh, almost eight years. Uh, so my, my, my span is, is, is very long. Uh, so it depends, uh, but it's definitely hard. Uh, every time I transition and I made these three, four transitions that I uh, made in my career, it's been hard. Yeah. And, I, and I'm glad you emphasized the fact that, you know, like we're not advocating, you're not advocating, you know, Hey, just jump to the, jump to the next thing, you know, just because it's the next thing. Right. But, but being willing to consider being willing to think about, Hey, I'm going to challenge myself and make this transition to this thing because I looked for that aha moment. I found it. I see how it's this technology or this offering or this company or whatever it is, is going to impact 
the industry or impact things that I care about, right? Um, and go from there. Now, um, thinking about the, the challenge of making that transition, something that comes up, I think, a lot in our industry is this idea of imposter syndrome, right? And that is, you know, hey, I, I was an expert in blah, or I was very, very familiar with, you know, blah. And now I'm moving into this whole new space and I have to, for lack of a better term, start over. And so perhaps you feel like, you know, hey, I, I don't deserve to be here. I, I'm, not, I'm not enough of an expert to be on this team or to work for this company or whatever, right? Um, I, you know, I can share that I wrestled with that when I made the transition from, from VMware to Heptio and joined this, you know, amazing team of individuals focused on Kubernetes. And I'm like, you know, what am I doing here? Like, these people are amazing. And I just have so much to learn. I, I was curious to know, like, is that something that you wrestled with in either of the transitions? I think probably the second transition for VMware AWS is more likely, but just curious to know if that was something you dealt, dealt with and, you know, what advice you might have for listeners who find themselves in the same situation. Oh my God, the imposter syndrome is, is what I wake up every morning uh, with. Uh, every morning, not, not just when I make the transition, when I made the transition, it's just skyrockets, like, like uh, you know, to the roof. But even when I'm supposed to be like uh, uh, knowing what I'm doing, uh, I, I'm always like wondering, I mean, why am I here? I mean, I have these seven, eight uh, super awesome colleagues that seems to know way more than I do. I mean, why, why are they keeping me here? So um, absolutely. And I, I would go as far as saying that if you don't have an imposter syndrome, that is a good signal that you need to move on. Unless, I mean, your passion is very, very uh, low about IT, uh, which is okay. There are people that do this um, uh, in that way and, and, and that's fine. But at, based on how I operate, um, I, I need to have imposter syndrome. Um, it, another anecdote that I like to, um, to uh, talk about, uh, when I talk about particularly imposter syndrome or, or the feeling that you are inadequate for what you're doing, when I left VMware, I went back to my old manager, a good friend of mine, and I asked him something very weird. And I asked him, can you list the things that you enjoy working with me? Because every time I get to the end of the year and I need to feel like, um, you know, the, the, um, the, um, the evaluation for the past year, what I've done, uh, why do I need to uh, have a pay rise and stuff like that. I'm always, always like, what am I going to write here? I don't feel like I've done anything useful, um, right, almost. Um, so I went back to him and I asked him, can you list a, a number of things that you think are my superpowers? And we have this saying at Amazon that everyone has superpowers. You're good at something, you're maybe less good at something else. So can you list my superpower? And this was super helpful for me because I didn't even realize that some people were appreciating things that I thought, you know, well, but this is not very useful. But instead, it was very useful. So 
So my, um, my, my advice for people that have this imposter syndrome is to go back and try to get feedback from people that you trust, that you have a good relationship with, and ask them, you know, what do you like about what I'm doing? Right. This may be at the end of a business relationship, like it happened for me. And it was nice because um, it was not like a standard uh, manager employee type of relationship. It was more like a friendship uh, type of relationship. So it was probably easier for him um, uh, to do that in a more open way. But uh, to go back to your original point, oh, absolutely, imposter syndrome is something that I live with. I think it's really interesting how you how you framed imposter syndrome. Like there, there almost needs to be a balance of you know a little bit of a little bit of imposter syndrome to like challenge you to to like you know uh, prod you into into going like wow you know I, I I work with an amazing team or I'm working for a great company or I'm working in an incredible area of technology and so I need to you know. It, it like drives you to step up your game, so to speak, right? But you can't let it go too far that it becomes just so overwhelming. And so, and so to combat that, to keep it in check, you, you go to folks that you work with, as you suggested, and say, hey, tell me what you think my superpower is. Tell me what you think I do well. And then use that as a, as a balancing act to say, no, I know that I'm good at you know, X or Y or Z, based on the feedback of the people that know me, that know me well, that work with me, that sort of thing. But having that, that little bit of imposter syndrome to, to provide the fire to get you going, I, th I think that's an interesting aspect that often doesn't get, doesn't get considered. Absolutely. And, and this is true for also other, other aspect of what you do. Like, you, you know, the, the worst um, presentations that I've done on stage are those where I was super comfortable, where I was not nervous. I want to be nervous when I get on stage, right? Because you want that drill, you want that, you know, that feeling, that energy um, of, you know, that it's just useful. And I think that imposter syndrome is somehow uh, in, in that space, which is kind of the fuel that allows you to do even better um, going forward. Yeah, that's a that's a great a great analogy, and I can I can share similar experience of you know presentations that I've given where I thought like oh man I nailed that, and then you know the feedback was well eh you know, and then there's other presentations where I walk off yeah. stage and I'm like oh man that was awful, and people come up afterwards like that was the most amazing presentation ever, right? So yes, yeah. Yes. Um, okay. Well, we're 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 drawing close to our our the end of our our time here. Um, I'm just just out of curiosity, you know, like none of us can predict the future, but based on you know just whatever, like you want to peer into the crystal ball and give us an idea of you know what you're thinking you might be doing in the next you know five or ten years or whatever. Well, uh, that's a that's a hard question. Um, uh, I don't know what I will be doing in the next um, five, 10 years. I usually joke about the fact that I want to close my career in a position to be able to tell my grandchildren that I've seen everything in the compute space, all the way from hardware through VMs 
three containers to serverless, like nothing, right? Uh, but this is more of a joke than, um, than anything. Um, as I said, I think that it's just important to understand that this industry is not steel. When I started with VMware, I, I initially thought this is going to change the world, right? And forever, right? Obviously, that was not the case because that you know the 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 industry is not steel. So there is always going a new, there is always going to be a new technology, a new something that is going to come and disrupt what was before. So um, I, I think that my suggestion is just wait and and be on the outlook for that aha moment. Um, get your sensors out just to try to understand what uh, there may be in the future that may be disrupting uh, the current, um, the current um, you know, uh, two-day best practice uh, kind of stack that you can think of. Uh, will it be WebAssembly? Will it be uh, no code? Will it be something? Uh, I don't know, but there will certainly be something that doesn't exist today that is going to be the technology of the future in five years or 10 years or, or going forward. Well, that's very, very good advice. I mean, you know, we've been talking, uh, you know, if there's a common theme, you know, through the, the podcast, at least, you know, it's that, it's that aha moment, like watching for it, recognizing it, you know, being aware that, um, you know, these things are going to happen and, and that there are these transitional shifts that happen in computing and, and, you know, just, mapping those transitional shifts as applicable for you and your desired career trajectory, right? Um, that, you know, you want to, you want to make sure you don't, you don't give up on that, that as you progress over the next five or 10 years or whatever, you know, time frame you want to think that you are continuing to watch for what is going to impact this space where I am. Um, you know, what does it mean for me and, and how do I deal with that? And does it mean I need to challenge myself and move into a different space or does it mean I just need to, learn some new technologies and apply them to what I'm already doing, or is it a blend of the two or, you know, whatever, right? Yep. Yeah, that's exactly it. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Well, as we wrap up then, uh, Massimo, do you want to just uh, real quick, you know, share with the listeners, any sort of, again, you know, Twitter blog, you know, any other uh, online identities in case they want to try and connect with you or follow you or whatever? Yeah, no, absolutely. So uh, my blog is, as I said before, is, it20.info. Um, I'm not blogging uh, extensively lately, uh, but I'm, I'm trying to uh, go back to the blog sphere, um, as we say, uh, and post more uh, content there. Um, I want to continue to post uh, there. Uh, I'm slightly more active on Twitter if you want to follow me. Uh, my Twitter handle is mrefere, um, m R E F E double R E. Uh, probably are going to also uh, add notes. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll definitely have links for that stuff in the show notes. So uh, listeners, if you didn't quite catch it, um, don't worry. There'll be links in the yep. show notes, and yep. you can go and uh, you know interact with Massimo and read some of the stuff that he's sharing uh, online. So yeah, awesome. Well, Massimo, thank you so much for being on the show. I loved the discussion. Loved, you know, talking about career transitions and watching for career transitions. Really appreciate that. Thank you again.
Thank you very much for having me. And it was awesome uh, talking to you again. All right. Thanks. Now, listeners, we really appreciate you taking the time to join us for this episode of the Full Stack Journey, where we talk about the ongoing evolution of the IT professional and that journey of learning that happens across, you know, data centers, public clouds, applications, infrastructure, all that kind of jazz. If you get a moment and you enjoy the show and you want to give us, uh, you know, a plug or a review on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play Store, whatever the case may be, wherever you found us, we'd certainly appreciate that. As always, the show and the show notes will be available on the packetpushers.net website and on a variety of syndication platforms. We're grateful and thankful for having you join us. Have a great day, evening, uh, or morning, everyone. Thanks so much. Thanks so much.